Welcome to Mrs. Flick's Picks, where busy moms can find the best books for their kids. Join me in my mission to cultivate children's moral imagination through good stories, beautifully written. Well, hello and welcome back to Mrs. Flick's Picks. I'm Carrie Flick, and if you're joining me for the first time, I am so glad you are here. As a reminder, in the next several weeks, I'd like to take one or two book suggestions from my listeners to do a more in-depth review. If you have a book you'd like me to go over, you can comment on the announcement video on my Facebook page at Mrs. Flick's Picks, or just send me a Facebook message directly. There have already been a number of really good suggestions, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, I had originally planned for this episode to cover suffering, and then I thought, it is already February. Gray, wet, cold February. Why add to all that gloom? So let's not. Instead, I'm turning to a topic that I'm personally enamored with, but sadly, ungifted in, and that is gardening. Gardening in the gospel seemed to be perfectly matched by God's design. I mean, God began creation with a garden. The first man was commanded to garden. Jesus prayed in the garden. And he himself used so many gardening analogies. He's the true vine. We are the branches. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The vine dresser and the unproductive vine. The wheat and the tares. The parable of the sower. And think of the lovely metaphor God has given us in nature. A hard, brown, ugly seed is thrown to the ground in death, but is raised in stunning new life, bearing no resemblance to that former shell of a thing. The season of spring and beautiful plants bursting up from the cold winter earth is a living resurrection story. Our kids should be in tune with it, We were never designed to live apart from nature, and while none of us need to be Grizzly Adams or Jane Goodall, we do need to recognize and celebrate the natural creation around us that God clearly delights in and gave us to enjoy and care for. And the Dominion Mandate still stands too. Man has been placed over the natural world to steward and care for it. In order to steward it well, We need both knowledge, an understanding of its ways, history, and needs, and compassion, a sincere concern for its well-being. The books I have for you today should provide your kids with a little of both. If the heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth is full of his praise, it deserves our thoughtful consideration. And I realize that not every family has a natural rhythm of nature walks, or spending time outdoors. So maybe some of these books will inspire towards those ends. And a great way to start is to take these books outside. Family read-alouds on the porch or picnic blanket are just the best. Well, my first pick for you today is called The Gardener written and illustrated by the fantastic husband and wife team, Sarah Stewart and David Small. This story is unique because it is told through letters written by young Lydia Grace to her family back home. 
Because of the severe poverty induced by the Great Depression, Lydia's parents have sent her away from her rural country home to go stay with her uncle, who lives in the city where he owns a bakery. Uncle Jim is rather forbidding-looking and certainly isn't affectionate towards Lydia. In fact, he never smiles. At all. But Lydia is determined to change that. She discovers the most unlikely of all places for a garden. Her uncle's dirty, bare, deserted rooftop. But little by little, Lydia transforms that barren, concrete jungle into a beautiful garden paradise. And by the end of the story, you'll discover that Lydia managed to transform a lot more than a rooftop. I think this is an especially powerful story because of the persistence Lydia has in forging a new relationship with her uncle, despite her heartache at being separated from her family, especially her grandmother, who she's writing these letters to. She's determined to make the very best of a rather difficult situation and cultivate and celebrate beauty wherever she can and to share it with others. Next up is Rabbit Hill by Robert Lawson. This is quite a short book, and the plot is very simple, but the spiritual parallels are significant. The story features a family of rabbits and their wild animal neighbors, a skunk, a mole, a buck, a fox, a mouse, etc. Times are hard for these creatures, largely because the big house, as they call it, has been vacant for some time and the previous residents did not have a vegetable garden or care for the land at all. Consequently, the animals have all had to resort to their own means of finding food, as none was readily accessible or available. But all that changes one day when a new family moves into the big house. They plant quite a large garden, but they behave in ways that seem highly irregular to the little woodland creatures around. Everyone is left wondering whether there really is such a thing as a free lunch, or if this new family is truly too good to be true. One of the striking things about the story is how each animal character is almost a personification of a specific sin. The mother rabbit is consumed by worry. The father rabbit is blinded by his pride. The uncle rabbit is suspicious, who falsely accuses people. The reader laughs at each one in turn because of how ridiculous these little creatures are with their worries and egos and suspicions. They are, after all, only animals. But it's a helpful picture of human nature, too. Realizing that we are positioned in a very similar way in comparison to God, we are just as ignorant, just as sinful, and just as dependent on Him for our little cares. As a read-aloud, this would work for ages 5 and up. For the independent reader, I would say start at age 7. And finally, I would love to come up with a totally unforeseen title that you've never heard of to close us out, but I'm sorry. The classic The Secret Garden really is perfect for this theme. There are actually two gardens in this book. Both of them are cold and dead and secretive at first. But only one garden is made of plants and flowers. The other garden is that of the protagonist herself, Mary Lennox. Mary is a disagreeable, demanding, 
unattractive orphan. She is a girl that no one loves, and she loves no one in turn. After she's sent to live in a dark and lonely manor house of her uncle, she's forced out of doors by sheer boredom, and it is there that she discovers a long-abandoned garden. Mary realizes that she has stumbled upon not just a secret, but a possible thing of beauty. As she slavishly and desperately works the soil and clears away weeds, she finds her own heart softening. As she learns to die to herself in caring for the garden, both the garden and Mary suddenly find new life blooming forth. Now, the plot is much more complex than that. There are secret passageways and family mysteries and the heartbreak of motherless childhoods. But ultimately, it is a story of death and new life, hope from heartbreak, and the miracle of forgiveness. I do not, under any circumstances, suggest this as a read-aloud. The Yorkshire dialect is the devil to try and read for an audience. I would save it for your strong readers who can read it independently. And I'm guessing that would be right around age 10 and up. And that wraps up this week's picks. Thank you for being here, and I hope to have you join me next time. Until then, happy reading!